1116 SEM, the award-winning crunch time. Find your kind of value at Honda with offers across a range of vehicles. See honda.com.au and the TAC safety barriers reduce fatalities by approximately 85%. Safety barriers save lives. Getting us towards zero. So he got the tap down, but it was red by Heffel. He got in the perfect place to screw it across the body. And the Essendon skipper strikes. Bennett Goddard lifts yeah. to the boundary. That's not what you want when you're uh, trying to get a, a contract. Nathan Brown ironed out Sard at the end of that run, and it has caused ramifications. Oh, Umpires closing. They went straight to him. Sard is still uh, flat a, on the turf. It's a weak effort from Nathan Brown. Good handball from Merritt. Serves Myers. Driving. Kick just over the outstretched hands of Armitage. He's able to track oh. it down, though. Tackled immediately. May have been hurt before there. And McDonald tipping what he swooped. And that scores, one. slaps it back to Armitage, sweeping half past oh, the goal, fresh yeah. and quick right, hand to creative stuff from David Armitage and all of his teammates go to him. That's as good a goal assist as you would see. Gone for McDonald, Tippin Woody, has it at the back, turns, shoots, goals. The Bombers inflict maximum damage. Brown got it across to McNeese, and now McKenna, a delight to watch, chips it into the square, they broke them open, and it's Stringer that gets the easiest job of all, the chest mark and the blasting goal from the square. Devin Smith paddled it, Brown is onto it, gave it to Smith who snaps the goal, that's superb. Devin Smith on an angle away from goal, hooked it severely enough and landed it on target. The Bombers post their 11th win and keep everybody above them dead honest. They've done it in the face of significant adversity on the night and handed out a beating well forecast. Players were uh, wonderful the way they um, understood what they had to do and what we what we asked from the way we wanted the game to be played. Uh, as we slowly lost those players, everyone adjusted really well, you know, and played different roles. And credit to them all the way they understood those roles and how they performed. Victory for the Bombers, but at what cost and to what end? The high toll of Essendon's 11th win of the season. There were periods in the first half of the game where we had some real momentum that just hurt ourselves really badly with our borders. We had some issues with, with our use throughout the year, but that's as bad as we've used it, particularly from the back. And that really sapped a lot of our energy and a lot of our momentum. We, yeah, you're right, we realised they were a couple down, but if you don't look after the footy, then you're not going to be able to capitalise on anything. We think we've got some players that are better than what they're showing at the minute, but we, we think that, uh, that going forward we've got a really strong nucleus. We, we also made really strong noise that we need to support that group. The same old sorry story for the Saints. The coach is staying. So what form should the massive changes take? We'll hear from 100 Gamers, Seb Ross, and you can join our experts as we analyse their list. West Coast Eagle midfielder Andrew Gaff has been handed an eight-week suspension for his strike on Fremantle's Andrew Brayshaw. I just want to say I'm so, so sorry to Andrew and the Brayshaw family and the pain I've caused them over the last 48 hours. I respect the Brayshaw boys so much and the way they go about it. I own my actions and it really hurts a lot. I've definitely seen better days. It's horrific, but the person that Andrew Gaff is, I, I forgive him. A confronting week sparked by one punch which splintered in many directions. Suspensions, red cards and the spirit of the game. It's all in the crunch. It's another massive edition of Crunch Time for Honda. Find your kind of value at Honda. See honda.com.au and the TAC. Safety barriers save lives, getting us towards zero.
Welcome to Crunch Time. As we heard Jared say, for Honda, find your kind of value at Honda. See honda.com.au and the TAC safety barriers save lives. Getting us towards zero. It was, unfortunately, another dreadful Friday night if you're a St Kilda fan, and we will delve deep into the Saints' issues. We spoke at length to Simon Lethleen last night. The best of that and why Alan Richardson is the man to take them forward is coming up. Uh, we'll talk to, to Seb Ross. Plenty to discuss on a massive day of footy, including an in-depth preview uh, with David King and Plough on the big game between the Hawks and Cats. What a game it's going to be. The weather, of course, will play its part as well. Uh, I'm in Adelaide for another big clash this time between Port Adelaide and the West Coast Eagles. One Port simply needs to win. Jared, you're in charge of the team back there. Good morning. It's wintry, Hutto. Good morning to you. And there is uh, a dire forecast. The longer the day goes, we'll see if that materialises to to dampen a hot contest. David King, welcome. Morning, G. Morning, lads. No shortage of material out of last night, even though it was sort of lopsided. No, are we all right? You and I all right? Yeah, we're all right. We're okay. I just want to make sure. <laughs> no, We're fine. not fighting today, are we? Yeah, fine. Can, can we give out red um, cards in the crunch time box? <laughs> I nearly got 12 weeks of built and Jared during the week. But, um, no, it was a, a funny night last night, wasn't it? I think we saw two teams just wanting to play fast footy, uh, probably realise that their season in a lot of ways is done. But it's a killer of the fascination. They really are, Jared. I, you know, we're talking about one facet of the game complementing the next. I'm not sure that happens in the way they want to move the ball, the way they want to defend. It's all ad hoc. It's almost random. Um, I, I don't like what they're doing, and I don't like the way they're playing at the moment, and there's more questions than answers. Terry Wallace, hello to you. Hello, Jared. Hello, boys. Uh, yeah, look, uh, uh, just one little stat just to back you up on that. When's the game most alive? You know, midway through the second quarter to the premiership quarter in the third quarter. Over the last two weeks... The St Kilda Football Club have been in a situation where they've been in games or leading games halfway through the second quarter to have them completely torn apart by three-quarter time. In that period of time, they have kicked two goals to 21, 21. In, the, in the last two weeks. So they were six goals to one in front of uh, the Bulldogs and had one goal to 13 turnaround up until three-quarter time after that period. Last night, they were six all and it ended up being an eight-goal-to-one turnaround up until three-quarter time. 21 goals to two. I mean, that's just non-competitive. And unfortunately, we're seeing that non-competitive stuff on a Friday night. So they're a poor team, and they have poor skills which undermine whatever it is they're trying to do. But they now have accepted that. So this is the move at St Kilda. And we know Simon Lethlean came in as the head of footy. He's the fresh set of eyes. So we're... The president and the board were holding earlier in the year to Country the fact that they had, we they had we built here. the list, yep. and the list they had once it played consistent, strong footy would be a top four list. They have quite rightly now accepted the big body of evidence before them and walked away from that position. And Hutto, to listen to Simon Lethleen last night was to know that the coach is going on, but as Gary Lyon said, he's going to tip it upside down. I've identified Alan as the right person to coach this team um, last year when it re-signed Alan. Um, as I said, the whole program needs to improve to make Alan the best coach he can be, and, and uh, Alan's got areas to improve on as well, as we all do. But, yeah, he's the right guy to take this group forward, and the reality of the industry is it's a performance-based industry, so if we sit here this time next year um, without improving, that's going to be up for review like everything is. Three games to go. What if they all went pear-shaped? Big yeah. time pear shaped. Yeah, I sort of thought you'd ask that question. Uh, I really don't. Happy to oblige. I really don't um, look at the hypothetical of that. The year hasn't been good enough now. 
um, it's not going to matter to me what the next three games do insofar as what's happening for next year. It hasn't been good enough. Uh, we've got to improve, and that's what we are looking at now to do. The next three weeks, I hope, we're really competitive. But um, if in your term it all goes pear up these three weeks, it's not going to change my mind on what we're going to do. Did you go through any sort of process to confirm in your mind that Alan Richardson would coach next year? Um, no, I mean, people talk about the review. I, I've said a few times it's just me doing my job, I reckon. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I didn't have any particular process or criteria to tick off that Alan's the right guy apart from me watching, seeing, understanding what's needed to get better and, and I see him as part of that. So why is he the right guy? Um, Alan's a well-rounded person. He's been in the industry a long time. He's coached a lot. He's coached his own team. Uh, before this year, he'd coached 23 wins across two seasons. So uh, we hope this is an, an aberration and a dip that takes us forward. Um, the reality is we've all got to improve, including Alan, and I'm going to work with him on that. I, I see him as uh, a person who still has the players. Um, he's got the backing of me and the club, and that's the way we look at it. We're going to invest in him and the club and the program to get better. That's simple as that. Nine four two nine eleven sixteen. Saints fans, we want your calls. Speaking of calls, Kingy, is it the right call to right now declare that Alan Richardson is safe, or should they still be analysing? Uh, well, you're always analysing. That, that that won't stop or that won't change, barring a couple of disasters. Clearly. Well, barring a couple of disasters. I mean, if there were, if there were a couple of hundred and twenty point losses in the next two weeks, you would have to revisit it, Jared. I know that there's. Yeah, I don't think that's happening. So well, it's Hawthorne and North the next two, King. Yeah. Why? Why would that not be still a discussion? Well, I think that's what's quite clear is whether they should or they shouldn't. That's where they've landed. Well, I look at the way they play. Um, they're they're a below average clearance and contested ball team, so they have trouble getting their hands on the ball. They have a 15th-ranked attack, a 16th-ranked defence, which is getting worse as the season goes on. They control the ball. They take 100 marks a week, fourth most in the competition. They, they want to play on. They play on the last month of football. They play on one in every two marks. So they, they want to go fast. They want to control but go fast. It's a strange method. They get 52 inside 50s a week, so that, that should be enough to, to manufacture a score, but they can't. Their four to centre work is as poor as you'll ever see. Drive the ball to the top of the goal square, get a contest. It never stays in. They don't, they don't get repeated inside half 50 entries. And then when they lose the ball, and this is, this is the thing that really irks me. Every person that talks about St Kilda from St Kilda says we're a pressure team. Defined by pressure. Talk to us about when we haven't got the ball. That's who we are. Second lowest in the competition for pressure. 15th in tackles. So this, this, this notion that they're a very good team without the ball is false. So if, if you're going to keep talking about those things, it has to be real. It has to be tangible. We have to see it in game. I don't see it. The problem that they've got there for, Kingy, is, number one, I think there's a lot of us that don't believe that their personnel is good enough at the moment. They've got to have one high-end draft pick and then their, their second pick is in, its, in the 50s. So, number two... Uh, from that point of view, how are they going to be able to attract the right sort of players? I mean, clearly we'll speak about Dan Hanabry in, in a second, but uh, how are they going to be able to attract the right players? And what currency have they got within their group to be able to get some picks, to be able to get some quality uh, players back in, into the lineup? So you've got structurally, you're saying that they're not sound. I'm sitting back from the other side of from the list management side of it sort of saying well I don't think that the squad is good enough but don't you coach with what you've got 
I mean, isn't that the art of coaching? Maximising what you've actually got available. I mean, we're at round 20. I mean, he, he knows the list he's got in front of him. He's known that for months. He's known that since November last year. But I'm saying, how are they going to pick yeah, this up? Yeah, how no. are they going to improve it? Well, I'm looking for improvement in how? what they've got. Yeah, yeah. And, well, and I, don't, I don't see that. Last night, they, I think they had six players who played a total of 12 games. So they are a young team at the moment, but we've got a whole year we can look back on. Plenty of I don't questions. think St Kilda fans, I don't think St Kilda fans see it the way that, that, um, that St Kilda do. Yeah, aberration no. and a dip or a stark cold reality. Well, well yeah. let, let's talk to some of those St Kilda. There's so many questions about them and we'll work our way through and we address quite a lot of them regarding the list with Simon Lefline last night so we can drip that through as well. But let's take some calls because you could feel the, uh, uh, the, the, the anger really amongst the St Kilda fans last night. Um, just resigned to where they are to some degree also. Rob's in Werribee first up. Hi, Rob. Morning, guys. Um, that, that interview with Simon Leflin, um, you know, I was looking for, for a little bit of hope, you know, sell some hope, give us something, some information, something new that they're going to try or do, and it just didn't seem to get that. So it's, to me, it's just the same old, same old. It's just going to keep going. I'm on the other side of that. I, I think there is, is it upheaval? There's drastic change coming to St Kilda, and I actually think that's the only way to approach it. So at this point, there's only so many specifics you can go into. Uh, And we did sort of close by asking him, how different will it be? And he can't be specific because they don't know what they're going to get. But Hutto, my impression was he will change as much as is possible between one season and the next. Yeah, I, I agree with you, but I guess the pro- the question is what is possible, isn't it? As yeah, yeah. Plough alluded to, they, they don't have that second-round pick, so do they trade future picks? Do they? Uh, is there any value in their list, that the players that aren't performing to the level? you know? That, and again, we can talk about this as we go, some of the disappointment players. What have they got to work with to, to get to where they need to get? Is uh, is uh, hard to answer right now, but um, time will tell. Cathy's in Keelor. Hi, Cathy. Morning, boys. Look, I think Leslie is wonderful, a great, a great selection for our club. He's only been there since January. He's the perfect person to overhaul the club, the list, the coaches. It's about time our players took a bit of responsibility. The simple skill errors has killed us all year. Coming through the centre of the ground, there's a guy there all on his own, Yet the kick doesn't get to him. It's a turnover. Results in a goal. They make the wrong decisions when they have the ball. There's an option open. Oh, no, I'll hang on to it. I'll hang on to it. They end up kicking it to that player who's then covered. And this kick and goals around the corner, that needs to be stamped out. It is lazy football and it is so costly. Thank you, Cathy. Quick response, Kingy? Did happen a couple of times last night. <clears throat> I felt for Jack Billings. He, he just couldn't get one to go through. And no, no it looks it's frustrating. I, I think sometimes we, we're too simplistic with um, kicking efficiency. Structure, simple structure, gives you a level of kicking efficiency. Consistency, we're going down the line, we're going long, we're going to uncontested mark, we're going to go wide. Players know what's coming next. Great. They run to those spots. You get options off the back of those those sorts of spots. You don't have to play... make decisions on the run ballistically. You, yeah. you don't have to do that. Every play is a random play when you want to play corridor at speed because you're not sure what's in front of you. Players don't get an opportunity to correct because you're coming back into a, a pretty aggressive part of the ground. 
Was uh, is the coach a little fortunate? We are an industry that's a follow the leader mentality. No we've doubt. had we've had Damien Hardwick in a situation where they restructured around Damien and it was successful. We saw Nathan Buckley last year where they restructured around Nathan Buckley and it's been moderately successful up until this stage. So with that follow the leader mentality is he a little bit fortunate that that's the pathway that seems to be working? Can you answer your own question? I, I think he is. I, I think absolutely. After five years, and if you have a look at the win-loss and where it sort of sits and where they are at the moment, I, I think he's fortunate. Uh, we did ask that, didn't we, to Simon yeah. Levine last night. I, I think what's clear is it's easier to sell that than it ever has been before, isn't it? Whether, Correct. Whether it's the right decision, and that's my point, is just because it worked for one, it doesn't necessarily work for the other. But yeah. it's definitely easier to sell that, the hope around that. Richmond, Richmond had had three finals campaigns in a row, and they yeah. they bombed out in the first week. You, you can make a case that they were were playing the wrong game plan, all that sort of stuff. You can you can have all those conversations, but they were a pretty successful team. They'd won 15, yeah. 12 and 15, I think it was. Yeah. So, so they were a different team to what St Kilda yeah, Collingwood's yeah. a better comparison as they'd been going backwards. Yeah. And then it's that moment of faith. It is interesting. We sort of went through a phase of stability and then Adelaide sacked Brenton Sanderson and the Bulldogs sacked Brendan McCartney. And almost the spin-off of that was to go back to, no, we're not going to continue to do it. So we've had both in recent times. Is Obviously, the contractual situation has played heavily in this. They just re-signed yeah. him. They just recommitted to him for three years coming into this year. So, And Simon was pretty straight up. Is If they are similar next year... Uh, the review will, they'll, they'll yeah. conduct a review and it will go the other the, way. The, the question is, Jared, you, you never know whether you've, you're never sure you've got the premiership coach or not. Sorry, you're never sure you've got him. But as soon as you're sure you haven't, you're gone. Yeah, so, and that's it. So if, if you make if the decision got, that Richo's not the man, yeah. I don't care what his contract says. Yeah. If you think you've got your guy, you have to stick. Yeah. yeah. Once if you're not you sure. know you haven't got your guy, you have to go. Cut the cord. And then there's what's in the middle. Yeah, yeah. Ahmed so they is in must the think he's the guy. They must think he's the guy, Jared. Ahmed is in the middle of epping. Hello, Ahmed. <laughs> Hello, gents. Good, thanks. Um, yeah, look, there's a number of angles from which you can look at this issue to begin with. It's very curious how Richo actually got the job because when Ross Lyon left, he was one of the candidates uh, for the job at the time and he wasn't considered the best candidate. They gave Scott Waters the job. And then when Scott Waters um, was sacked, suddenly Richo was the best candidate. That didn't sit well with me even at the time because I thought they're obviously a bit lazy. They didn't want to go through the due process to find the best coach at the time. Apart from that, their recruiting has been woeful. I mean, their drafting for 15 years hasn't been very good. If you look back to particularly the period between 2008 and 10, they brought about 20 blokes onto their list that were all gone within three years. Um, The players that they have now that have been the core of the group for the last five years... A handful of them have had stellar seasons in that period, but each time the following year, they don't improve. Now, Kingy made the point before about you can only work with what you've got. Irrespective of the quality of player, the coach should be able to get continuous improvement out of the players, which I don't see. And also, they tried to top up the list with players from top four clubs at the time, like they took Josh Bruce, um, Kobe Stevens, Shane Savage... One, two others, Tim Membry. I like Tim Membry, by the way. But essentially, they were trying to make a top four team out of players who didn't make the best 22 at the top four clubs that they came from. So I don't know 
how they thought that those guys were suddenly going to become top footballers. And, and Kingy, I was going to make the same point about the Hardwick and Buckley comparison as well. Those guys have actually been in finals already, whereas I can't see that this list or this coaching panel can improve to the extent of taking this club to finals, and I think the next rebuild is due. And I'm really disappointed that Leslie can't see that the personnel, even in the coaching department that they have, is not going to cut it. All right, Ahmed, lots of points there. You've made them well. Let's quickly take Jay's call from Perth before we take a break and continue on here on Crunch Time. Hi, Jay. Yeah, thanks, guys. Look, just quickly, um, you know, people talk about our record the past two seasons of being 23 and 21. I went back and had a look at our record the past two seasons, and our average losing margin in those 21 games was 42 points. Now, if you look at average losing margin this year, I reckon it's around the same which means that when we lose games, we just don't lose them. We get blown away. And that is a massive point for me. For a side that's meant to be trending upwards, you can't have around a 50% record and be losing by 42 points. It's far too great. I'm no expert, but I believe for some reason we don't have a, a, a second game plan. And when we get blown and when we lose, we get blown away. There doesn't seem to be enough tactical nous in the coaching department to say, look, things aren't going our way. How do we stem the tide? You can't be pushing for a top eight spot or a top four spot with an average losing margin of 42 points. We never had a realistic chance of making the finals because we're always one game back than what our record suggested due to that poor percentage. And we all know percentage is incredibly important. This is my wheelhouse, Jared. Numbers. My wheelhouse. <laughs> 39 points is their average losing margin, which is uh, fifth worst in the competition. But of their four wins, two of them have been under 10 points. So they're two and zero, two wins, zero losses, games decided by under 10 points. And that, that's always a factor trending forward. So if you have Brisbane Lions, for instance, they have zero and five games under 10. So if you go 50 50, it's generally a pretty good guide. It squares up over the course of two to three years. So it's not a great number for the So, Saints. Kingy, they are struggling defensively. Last week they gave up six goals in seven minutes, and this week they gave up four goals in five minutes. That's ten goals in 12 minutes of football. So something clearly... I mean, usually you see sides, when it starts to turn against them, they have mechanisms to be able to stop it. St Kilda don't seem to be able to have any mechanism to stop it when it starts to turn against them. You play the corridor, you pay a price. All right, 22 minutes past 11. We'll take a break. We haven't forgotten you, Bomber fans. We'll talk about them. Is it a, a wasted year for Essendon, or really has it been to their benefit in the long term to some degree to go through what they went for and set themselves up for the future? More on the Saints too. Do they go for Dan Hanabry, Scott Lysette? Are they the answer? What have they got that other clubs would be interested in? You can get involved in our discussion here on Crunch Time. And later, lots of issues, of course, the aftermath of the week that has been with Andrew Gaff and all the, uh, the discussion around it. And a full preview of Hawthorne and Geelong from the G. This is Crunch Time for Honda. Find your kind of value at hondacihonda.com.au. And the TAC, safety barriers save lives, getting us towards zero. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. 
Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. On 1116 SEN, the award-winning crunch time. Find your kind of value at Honda with offers across a range of vehicles. See honda.com.au. Sad seems all right, but you know that's that's an unknown. Now they can feel good, but wait and see during the week. Got uh, just felt something in his knee. He seems fine right now. He's walking around okay, so we need to find out what gave him the the pain that he felt. So that's a bit of an unknown. Hooker just had some kneecap pain, so he's pretty confident that, that he's okay. Fantasia was tight in the hamstring late, maybe precautionary. I'm not sure. You know there might be something there, but certainly they weren't game to put him back on. So there's the coach himself, John Warsfold, giving you the Arnold Thomas and Becker injury update. Adam Saad, Brendan Goddard, Kyle Hooker and Orazio Fantasia. It certainly took a heavy toll and uh, we'll get more of an indication, obviously, during the week as to how many, or if any, of those players are going to play against the Tigers next week. The injury update for Arnold Thomas and Becker, over 50 years' experience in personal injury law. What did, what did you make of the Bombers, Terry Wallace, last night? And indeed, that big question about, is this season a wasted season? Well, it's, it's a really interesting one, Hutto. I mean, you have a look at it. They've won eight of their last 11. Uh, their only losses have been to good sides. You know, you have uh, Collingwood, Richmond, Hawthorne uh, along the journey. So, I mean, they've done most things right. I go all the way back, uh, Jared, to round nine uh, when we were here at the MCG. Yeah. That was country week. Uh, at that stage, the Bombers were 2-6 and had just come off a loss to Carlton uh, the week before. I don't think any of us, and Kingy was really big on this with their personnel, that he was, I think he picked them for the Premiers uh, at that stage. So I think we we rated what their list was, but I couldn't see them turning the season around at that stage. I'll be the first to put my hand up. But that day, I can remember sort of saying, you know, I just can't see them getting out of this this hole. Well, they've done a great job to actually be able to. But then, Hutto, the question is, so is this the real uh, Essendon that we're seeing now and therefore why were they so poor for that first eight weeks or you know, did they do something wrong in, in that, uh, that early period that, that really did muck up their, uh, their season and, and have them in this situation? Uh, look, I, I think most Bomber supporters will sort of say, OK, we got it wrong for whatever purpose or reason. We got it wrong at the start of the year, but we can really sort of see now that we can potentially be a very, very good side in the competition moving forward for, uh, for the future. So I, I think that I would say that most Bomber supporters would be more up about this season than down about the year. Yeah, surely they're better for the journey that they've gone through. For whatever reason, they didn't set the start of the season up right. Uh, they clearly weren't ready to to be the team that they aspired to be. They copped their welts, they learnt their lessons, they identify whatever those intangibles are, who they want to be and what they stand for. The connection between coach and player grows throughout the year and you'll merge... Sometimes you have to go through these things to become the team that you want to be. Spot on. Well, one of two things normally happens, doesn't it? Normally, you're 2-6, you've just lost to Carlton, and cracks appear. And the cracks were there from outside. I mean, people were uh, really challenging uh, John as the senior coach. And where you know, where were they at? How, how did this squad how get in this situation? Uh, but I saw them galvanise. And you're absolutely right, Jerry. I saw... 
the playing group and the coaching staff get tighter. And I thought that there was some maturity at that stage in leadership around that football club yeah. too. I mean, Dyson Heppel personifies a lot of this, his journey through the year. Correct, 100%, both on, on the field, how he's playing his football, how he's, he's leading by example, but I, I sense that there's more to it than that, and the, the, the layers are actually thicker than that. So if, if I'm an Essendon supporter... I can't wait for next year to sort of come around already. I'm excited about uh, what we do, how we play, and you know, if we can tighten up a few little things. Yeah, they were beaten by Hawthorne last week because I thought Hawthorne were just structurally, just marginally tighter than what they were, and that's their next step. Uh, to be able to play with the flair and the imagination that they uh, they showed again last night, you know, the ability to have uh, uh, magnificent running backs you know, really taking the game on, to have uh, you know, McDonald Tipping Woody being able to kick the score that he that he kicked, but then being able to add a few layers to them, and they're one of the clubs to me that you know, we talk about the trade period and how exciting it is. They've genuinely got something out of that, Hutto. I mean, when you sit there and, you know, the three S's that we spoke about at the start of the year and uh, where they've come versus other clubs, I would genuinely think that the uh, the Essendon supporters would sort of say, well, yeah, Devin Smith, he's got to win their best and fairest and win it yeah, by a long, a long stretch. But not only that, I, I mean, I think he's shown leadership traits in the way that he's played his football, the way he's gone about hunting down opposition players. So he is just such a massive tick, bigger than what I think any Essendon supporter or certainly um, us who uh, analyse the game, a bigger bonus than what we expected. Then you've got Saad off a half-back flank. No, he was knocked out last night, but who, to me... Um, yeah, is of the right age that he's going to be there for a, a long part of this journey coming through with that football club that plays such an exciting brand that actually ticks over you know, people wanting to come through the turnstiles to watch them play. And then you've got the X factor with Stringer and the way that he goes about his footy. So I, I think it's been a big win for them after a pretty horrible start. And it's interesting that Xavier Campbell, and we talked about this last night, all clubs want to be aggressive in the trade period, but it, it feels like they want to go again. Is uh, And we'll talk more uh, a little later about the whole spectrum of the trade period and the targets in each individual case, but do you think they can be aggressive or are they, are they given, you know, Danaher's still to return, there's a couple of other players that are still to come back from an injury point of view. Do they still need that extra midfielder, do you think? I think they do. I mean, look, uh, the fact that Myers has been able, David Myers has been able to get his body right yep. and be able to add, you know, the strength. And I had doubts on him. I really did have doubts on whether, and it wasn't so much doubts on him, the player. It was him, the player, with the body that he had, whether he could actually get it together. And you know, credit to him, he's been able to, you know, put some really solid footy together. So that's one part of that jigsaw puzzle that we didn't know was going to be there. But I still think if, that if they could add another layer to it, the other thing that I've always thought of. Jared, in these situations is if you can go to a player and sort of say players that are coming to us are playing better football from you know, leaving their club and coming across and Devon Smith being one of those yep. examples, I think that that always works in your favour. I think if you can sell to a player, which I think Essendon can now, that, hey, Last year, we got three boys come to our footy club and have a look at the way that they've all fitted into the club and they're all playing pretty good football. I think that's a pretty fair selling point as well. So just on the incident last night with, where Saad gets yes. knocked out by Nathan Brown, so just so everyone just established their position first. Where are you on the red card debate? So I'm a no, Kingy? Definite no. No. And Hutto? 
I, I can live with it with in at the high. Last night wouldn't fit into it, but at the at the higher end, at the for a gaff case, I, I've got no problem with the idea of a red card. Does it have to be a a punch or an elbow? Well, and so this or is a the, kick. so if my contention would be if you are going to have a red card incident. It has to relate to last night. There's a blatantly illegal action which costs the other team a player, and the only way for restorative justice is to go, well, that's a red card, you don't get to participate. So if when I guess I would say, if we're not going to use it last night and we're not going to use it, say, for Jeremy Cameron, then why would we even think about doing yeah. it? Well, for and Andrew Gaff. Yeah, well... Which is because, so because there's far. still question mark over last night, Jared. I, I totally agree, and I'm in the three yeah, plus. So that's why I'm in the no camp. Yeah, on because the you card. think it's hard because to work it out straight away. Yeah, yeah, because that's we, we that's trouble. an illegal action which knocks a player out, and yet there are there are degrees in it, and those degrees are going to be debated, or they're going to be tussled with by Michael Christian today. Three days. It, it was well, still a foot today. Yeah. yeah, and it we'll was, argue it for three days. Yeah. and we're expecting someone to get it right in, a, in an instant. And who would it was that still a football action, though, wasn't it? Was it a football? I would ask. So is so. Let, I think this is really important. Is Jeremy Cameron a football action? Yes, it is. It is. And his attempt and last was. night is a football action. Yeah, again, it was an attempt to do a hip and shoulder, which is part of the game. Okay. So despite what are, Eddie Betts says, a punch is not meant to be part of the game, is it? So they are. They are blatantly illegal actions in the game, but we're saying they're football actions, so they don't relate. I just, I can't, I can't make the case for the red card if we're going to exclude those. What about a yellow card, Jared? <laughs> don't, don't start, David. Don't so, start. what about Jared? What about what will Michael Christian come up with? Because Gary was talking about five weeks last night. Yeah, yeah, it was late really it was. hot on it. Um, God, it's an, oh, it, it, was, it was an awful action to do that so late. Michael Christian has been dogmatic on not grading bumps as intentional. He's been dogmatic on that. I wonder if the lateness of it will sway him towards intentional. So if he doesn't go with intentional, I suspect it's going to end up as two weeks. If he gets it to intentional, then it goes to the tribunal. What did you think, Key? What did you, when you, you, you oh. have a look at it? What did you think? Saad Sa- handballed the ball and took three steps. Look, that's an eternity. It's too late, isn't it? It's an eternity. Yeah. He's not, he shouldn't be expecting contact then. So how, so when you looked at it, what did you think? Is it a two week, a four week? Um, Where does it sit? I thought it was a three. But I mean, they, they never end up on the odd number, Jared. It's always two, four, <laughs> six, or eight. So three is a silly, silly, silly comment so to, to say for, three. It feels like two's not quite enough. Yeah, that's probably what happened fun. to the odd number in the suspension. Yeah, though, yeah. Jared. <laughs> we like round figures. Well, yes. So two's to get enough. it to the tribunal, it, it's got to be beyond that threshold. But as I say, Michael has been dogmatic that the bump is not. But he's talking about a bump. But this is so late. Instantaneous, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I, I feel like this does belong at the tribunal, and it's then for three former players to sit around and go, well, how do we feel about this? It is the folly of the of the change of interpretation, though, isn't it, to say that you're not really responsible for what you try and do with a hip and shoulder if they read it that way. Yeah, then he, I can't, he could get as low as one. I can't understand the logic of going. There are no intentional bumps, and I've disagreed with Michael but, the whole way through on that. I, I, I accept that that's how he does it, but I absolutely disagree. Now, I, I think I, I don't mind the way he does it, and, and it's consistent. So, so we can disagree yeah, with the yeah. mechanic of how he arrives there, but as long as he holds true to that all year, which he's 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 trying to do, which is great. He was really strong on the Higgins bump, Burton on Higgins, that 
when he still had possession, he's entitled to, to you know, make a decision to bump or to, or, to, or to not tackle, put it that way, because he still had possession of the ball. And he made a, he made a big point of him not picking him off. He didn't think that... With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Burton picked off Higgins. I think you'll have a different view of this one last night. Yeah, Brown clearly picked off yeah. off. That, that, that's, yeah. that's three weeks of straight to the tribunal, isn't it? Yeah, get, no. to get three, you've got to go straight to the tribunal. Intentional high, high. Can't be odd, Kingy, can't be odd. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Sixteen SEM, the award-winning crunch time. Find your kind of value at Honda with offers across a range of vehicles. See Honda.com.au. Hard to believe that we're around 21 and the Bombers kicked it off last night. 18-14, 1-22, defeating St Kilda. 11-13-79, a 43-point victory. Unfortunately, from a St Kilda point of view, it continued what has been a miserable year. But Seb Ross, one of the shining lights, a couple of career bests in a row. 43 disposals last night and the St Kilda midfielder has been good enough to join us as he reflects on his 100th game. Uh, Seb, thanks for your time. Uh, good morning, boys. Thanks for having me on. Uh, no problems. Another tough night for you. Take us out in the field, particularly just before half time, and then I guess into the third quarter. It was a little bit too familiar a story to to the same as last week. Yeah, look, it was it was very similar to the um, third quarter against the the Bulldogs last week. I think um, I think they kicked four goals in about five minutes, and the week before it was about seven goals in seven minutes. Um, so the, the sort of the sort of head the head spins for a little bit while you're out there, but I think. Um, I sort of attribute it to like we're pretty we're pretty young, particularly in the back line and, and when we're turning the ball over like that we sort of it's hard to defend, especially against a team like Essendon who um you know the type of speed they've got on the on the counter attack. So um I think we just we just again weren't able to respond and we weren't able to take the sting out of the game when they got a run on of one or two goals and then they piled on a few more. So what did you try and learn from the week before? You obviously couldn't put it into place, but I know from, I think, hearing you speak during the week and certainly speaking to Simon Lethleen last night, I mean, that was an area that was reviewed strongly last week. What was it? Were you able to identify what you didn't do the week before and just couldn't put it into place? Yeah, so last week we just we just physically um, didn't respond to the challenge when, when Bulldogs came at us. We just weren't able to win any contests, um, wherever that may be on the ground, and then... I think last last night was a little different. I don't think I don't think we dropped off with our with our physicality really at all. It was, it was a pretty physical game um, for the whole game, but I think just a just a few of those um, those turnovers that we we sort of went through that, that can sort of become a little bit deflating, and um, the other mob can get their tails up when they're sort of when they're getting on the end of them like that, and and it, it's sort of it's sort of hard to stop the momentum when that when that's the case. Seb, we've all been at football clubs when they've been in this uh, sort of trouble uh, on the win-loss sheet. Yep. What, what, what's your message as a leader out on the field when those sorts of occasions or run-ons are happening? Are you encouraging 
your teammates to continue to go down the corridor, continue to take risks, or you're asking to pull back fractionally and maybe just play some, some safer football for a period? Yeah, well, it's, it's sort of a mixture of both. So it, it all depends on what sort of is going on on the scoreboard. I think after they probably kick two in a row of um, some pretty obvious turnovers that happen, I think that's when the guys just need to get the ball, ball in their hands and sort of take the, the sting out of the game and um, not be so attacking. But uh, at, at that point in time, you, you just, as a leader, you're trying to keep, you're trying to make eye contact with everyone and see and see how they're responding to your messaging um, to see if they've gone completely into their shell or, or whether they're, they're sort of up for the fight. But So um, we, we do a fair bit of work in that sort of area. And I thought last night we were... Like we were, we were well engaged with each other and all that sort of stuff. I just think um, we weren't able, able to capitalise on some of our ball movement and then uh, some of our ball movement was really costly going back the other way. I think they kicked 13 goals from front-half turnover, so um, you can't win too many games when you're doing that. So, so what does that tell you? Let us in a little bit. I mean, your review after the game would clearly have touched on some of those numbers or this morning touched on some of those numbers. Yep. What does it tell you? Does it tell you that, okay, there's some younger players in there that are making some mistakes and they'll get better? Or is there system issues? Is there is it, is it an overhaul required? What, what will it look like next week? Will it look the same with hopefully a bit more um, effectiveness or a better execution, or, or will it be, be different again? Um, yeah, well, it's hard to say. I think, I think we've, still got to, we've really still got to stick fat as a group. Um, obviously, none of us are in the position that, uh, that we want to be in, and I think... I think we've we've played we've played 40 on our list so far. So each week we've got we've got different guys coming in and out of the side. I think well Benny Patton played his first game last night. Louis Pierce was in for his, his second game, who I thought albeit was did a bloody good job in the ruck. Um, and then Nathan Freeman playing his second game. So the more the more experience those guys get, even Daniel McKenzie playing across half back, I think the more and more experience they can get and at, at AFL level they'll they'll get that sort of game understanding of sort of uh, when to go and sort of when to um, stop and, and chip the ball around so I've got I've got full confidence in our, in our playing list and I think I think just the more time we, we sort of spend together and out on the field and be able to get some continuity sort of in our game game plan and gameplay I think uh, that'll go a long way to help Seb, Terry Wallace here. Congratulations on your own form. I mean, uh, it's always a difficult thing when things are not going well to be able to sort of, you know, concentrate, structure up and uh, and make sure that you're doing your bit. And uh, I think certainly you're doing that to, to the best of your abilities at the moment. I just want to go back to the management and organisation again. There was one uh, goal kicked in the first quarter by Dyson Heppel where you guys had three players on the defensive side of the uh, of the goal line allowed Dyson space on the other side of the contest and he was able to sort of kick an, an easy goal. Just in relation to the, the management of those sort of things and the organisation and the leadership to make sure that you are really tight in those situations, who controls that? Whose responsibility is it? And how does that all play out? Yeah, well, that, that, sort of, that sort of just comes down to playing your role. So we know... Well, Dyson was playing on a um, playing as a midfielder then, and when we know as midfielders that in that part of the ground, it's not about winning the ball; it's about completely um, trying to um, just play with life and death defence and shut down your opponent. So, uh, when things when things go a bit pear shaped like that, you have everyone has every right to sort of um, to challenge the person who 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 got it wrong on that occasion. Um, 
but I think I'm not too. It was sort of one. It was one of those ones. I remember Blake Akers uh, went to strike at the ball from a, from the wing position, and it sort of it bobbled out into Dyson Heppel's hands, and he got a free run at it. So and things like that happen. Like Dyson Heppel's been in terrific form, and he's a good, he's a bloody good player, and, he, and he's their skipper. So um, there's also that to take into account. But yeah, I think in those sort of situations, we've got to demand a lot more from each other. From a uh, St Kilda fan's point of view, who are listening to us now, there's been debate about how critical you are with each other over a period of time. I know that Nick Rewald's been one person that's had a, uh, a say on all that. Do you think, in your own personal mind, and for the Saints fans who can't get into those meetings, do you think that you are harsh enough on each other and, uh, and tough enough in the way that you do analyse? Yeah, I think so. And I think with the the media landscape the way it is at the moment and the high high scrutiny that there is on externally you can you can guarantee that it's it's equally as scrutinized um on the inside so we do, we demand a lot of each other that it, the game it can, it's a bloody hard game um to be focused for the full 120 minutes um these days but yeah there's no doubt in my mind that we we challenge we challenge each other uh particularly very hard and, and the sort of the line coaches sit down and go through all the game tapes with the individuals, and I know they're they're really hard on them and try to demand uh, the best or demand excellence from them every time. And uh, yeah, I think I think we're we're just we're just a re- we're really young at the moment, and sort of a lot of guys are learning. So I don't want, I don't want to use that as sort of a something to fall back on, but I think we're we're going to, we're really chal- we are really challenging and. Um, yeah, I think I think things will turn, but we've got to just keep working hard and stick together, and because that's the only way it's going to turn. How, how, one last one. How tough is it at the moment? Just the uncertainty over individual coaches and players' futures, knowing that there's not a lot to play for. It, it seems that way anyway from the outside for the rest of this year. Yeah, we, we just try to we just try to remind the, the playing group that um, there's going to be things going on upstairs. With we've obviously already lost um, the three assistant uh, coaches this year, so. Uh, that's where most of the uncertainty lies is probably upstairs a little bit so the, the most sort of certain group um, at the footy club right now is, is the majority of the playing list so um, we're the ones that can really really stick together and, and sort of salvage something for the rest of the year because I know I know we're not playing the way we want to play at the moment and and, um, and we're not playing the, and I feel really sorry for our fans that we can't, can't perform each week and um, yeah I just I think we're we're the group that can stick together and really salvage something for the rest of the year. And I think guys will really want to respond and um, show some character. But well spoken, Sid. We appreciate you fronting up another tough night for you and the club. But well played yourself. You're in excellent form. Good luck for the rest of the year. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, thanks, guys. Have a good day. Seb Ross, 100-game midfielder with the Saints. We'll take a break, get our final three takeaways from last night, and that leads us into the future for St Kilda's list and everybody else's. It's a 25-30 minute discussion coming up on the trade time, which is imminent again. Back in a moment. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now. The award-winning Crunch Time. Find your kind of value at Honda with offers across a range of vehicles. See honda.com.au and the TAC safety barriers reduce fatalities by approximately 85%. Safety barriers save lives, getting us towards zero. 
We're into round 21. It started as expected with a handy win for Essendon. 43-point victors over St Kilda. It leaves them in the minds of the mathematically creative as to what their <laughs> prospects are. The Saints are the source of much discussion. Crunch time for Honda. Find your kind of value at Honda. See honda.com.au and the TAC. Safety barriers save lives, getting us towards zero. Terry Wallace, David King, Jared Waitley and Anthony Hudson. Quickly through the three key takeaways from last night. Kingy, Essendon, what are they destined for? 2019, Jared. Look out. This is their under-25s on their list at the moment. The quality of the player is unbelievable. Fantasia, McGrath, Paris, Langford, Smith, Stringer, Saad, McKenna, McDonald, Tippin, Woody, and Danaher. We've all stopped talking about uh, Joe Danaher, and he's... He's going to come back into this team at some stage. It may be next year. It may not, it may be later in this year, Terry. I'm not sure. But that is a quality group that's going to drive them over the next couple of seasons. I know we might have gone a bit earlier this year. I think they got a lot wrong at the start of the year from a tactical and um, structural point of view. But they're a serious football team. Well, we spoke before, didn't we, and sort of said that if you're an Essendon supporter, you should be just waiting for next year. Can't wait for it to come around. If they get this midfielder they're talking about in the off-season, Jared, and I don't know who it is, they've yep. clearly got a couple in the in the sights. It, they are one midfielder short of, of being serious premiership right. contenders. And, and, and everyone's saying Beams. It, it may not be a Beams, but it may be a Beams type. And I think if they can get one, things things become quite flexible. Their magnets are movable anywhere. Terry, what does change look like at St Kilda as a broad proposition? Oh, look, it's going to be fascinating and they're going to be one of the clubs that I'm most interested in having a look at over the trade period because, you know, where does it sit? What do they do? Uh, you know, are they going back to the well? Obviously, we know that they haven't got that second round pick, so there's a big gap between their early first round pick and then their next pick. Uh, are they going after Dan, Dan Hanabry and does he fit their criteria, where they sort of sit at the moment, or should they be even looking at uh, perhaps releasing a player to be able to get more selections in, so that they can come through with the you know, the Caulfields of the, of the world and have that group come through together? I, look, it's going to be really interesting how they play it out. I, will, how do they get will him? They, will they? Well, how do they get him? They have to give something up. They have to yeah. give something up to release. What have they, they got to give? Well, this is the big question, isn't it? Well, I'm going to picks. Okay, I'll, I'll can't give you... away if they give away pick four. No, they can't give away picks. Uh, no, they've got to be getting picks in. So what how, about, they, how do they do it? What about Jack Billings? Where does he sit with them, Kingy? Because my personal take on Jack Billings is that I think at the moment uh, St Kilda fans are a little frustrated with uh, his output. Where I still think that at a different club, yeah. right at this minute, I, yeah. think, I think that Jack Billings could be an outstanding player for another club. Would Saints, with what they've got, would they be prepared to bite off a Jack Billings to get in, back in another high-end draft pick? So say the Kangaroos have got pick 10, uh, 9 or 10, whatever number you want to go with. Their first round pick will be around that mark. They, they will want to move that pick on because their first pick will be taken up with Darren Thomas, the Correct. Tasmanian Correct. Academy boy. Um, so they, they'll want to use later selections for points. Would you take pick 10 if you were St Kilda for Jack Billings? I would. If you're St Kilda, yep. you take it. You take it. Yep. Just yep. as quick as that. Yep. Where do I sign? Yep. Straight away. And why is that? Would you, Terry? Because Billings is not going to be the player that they thought he was going to be. He's not going to be a long-term A grader at St Kilda. And in this draft, I think you've got a reasonably good chance of getting a long-term A grader with 10. See, I think he's the next Sean Higgins. Yeah. 
I, I think I do. He just needs second club opportunity. So he can he can get himself really super fit. He could actually perform under under a different structure. Maybe a, maybe a new coach. Maybe just a fresh set of eyes. Look at what he can do, not what he can't. Um, I think that'd be a great bite. He's off. the next Sean Higgins. I for think me. that'd be a great bite off for the Kangaroos. So I, you can see so a little bit. So you wouldn't do it if you were St Kilda, Terry? Uh, no, I'd absolutely seriously consider it. Where they're at and where they're going, I'd seriously consider it. Is that a yes, Terry? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so the last one out of last night. Is it possible that Brendan Goddard's played his last game? Oh, is it possible? Could you we... be giving him a new contract? You know, I reckon we judge him pretty hard. So do I. Yeah. I reckon, which is it's almost, fine. It's almost a no-brainer, I reckon, that he gets another contract. But it's, I don't know whether it feels if that he, way. Yeah. If you can... If you can I'd, I'd have him on the edge though for a while, Jim. Yeah. I, I, like <laughs> I, I like a nervous. I like a nervous Brendan Goddard. Uh, no, I think he's definite. Uh, definite opportunity to go next year. I'd, I'd be re-signing him. All right, Hutto, get us to the crunch for the TAC safety barriers save lives, getting us towards zero. All right. Well, well let's let's start with Simon Lethlane and continuing on on the St Kilda. Uh, train of things, but we are obviously expanding to a wider discussion because it was a, a really broad answer about where things are at on the player movement side of things from Simon Lethlane last night. It's a busy time of year. It go, it starts earlier than you, than it used to. Uh, managers are very aggressive and busy themselves. Um, but no, we are into a lot of conversations for those that want to consider joining our club to make us better. So you, you go as hard as you can because you should to give yourself the best chance to be better than you were the year before. Does it get flushed out earlier than it used to? It does strike me that all of these conversations are now very public for players who've still got at least three to play. I think it flushes out uh, who the real interest is for you and vice versa. Uh, and you can find out pretty fast too where there's interest is not. So, um, But there's still two to three months to go until binding decisions are made. So we are talking about it very early. I'm not sure how much you can tell us, but how... If it's not in full swing, how much of a swing is it in? No, it's it's swinging heavily. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, supporters will be sitting, oh, yeah, three games to go, trade period doesn't start till... It is in earnest, on in earnest. Yeah, and that's the nature of the industry, I think, and it's the nature of, you know, there's there's a lot of player managers out there too, and, you know, two companies have about 400 of them. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of conversations that happen as you try and posture, you try to attract, you try to see what you want, you you meet monthly with your list management committee to work out what your gaps are. Um, no, it's a big part of the industry. So can I start by asking Terry, I guess, but Kingy as well, uh, we've seen a lot of these players that are out of contract or potential free agents re-sign. Are we going to see more movement than ever from players that are in contract? Oh, I think there's the potential of that, uh, certainly, Hutto. I, I think there's that potential, that's... but are we actually going to see it? Yeah, well, you, how do you ever know? I mean, you can't put a definitive on that, but all we know now is that uh, because we've seen players move in contract, that there is more likelihood than ever, and we've just been talking about Dan Hanabry in uh, that situation, that there's more likelihood than ever, Kingy, that players will put up their hand and sort of say, no, nah, look, I reckon I can get a better deal, or I'm, you know, I'm a bit uh, you know, browned off where I am, I'm looking for a new opportunity. I think that that's more likely now than ever before. Uh, I hate it. To be, to be honest with you, I hate the American system. I know I like a lot of the American stuff, Jared, and it can be annoying. But the NFL model is you cannot talk to a player that's in contract at any stage uh, throughout that process. There's a time for trade. There's a time for bargaining. Um, but you, you just can't. 
I would love, I would love just a blanket policy. There is no discussion with players. You can, you can do that at the point of the the end of the home and away season or the end of the finals. I, I like the the theatre of building to something that's quite exciting for one or two weeks post season rather than this sort of trickle of information that is awkward for everyone and it just creates so many lies. Players can't really tell you the truth. Player managers can't really tell you the truth. So it just creates awkwardness for everyone. How do you ugly. how do you instigate that? So how how would it be policed? Because we're running the polar opposite now. Yeah, it's a free for all now. And how would you police it? Kid? If you get caught, Terry, you yep. get a million dollar fine, or you lose your first round draft pick. Go for it if you like, but if you get caught, they are the sanctions. Yeah, that's probably a so. Reasonable. Let's start there. <laughs> And see who breaks it. Yeah. So the industry doesn't. The industry's not going in that direction. No. It is running hell to scale. And does it way. help us? Does it, does it? Does it serve us well? Well, if we're going to be this far down the track, then your idea of having the mid-season draft, which is a free-for-all in its own way, is it's sort of difficult to oppose that. If we're so far down this path, where these things are also actively and sanctioned in yeah. a way. Why not go the rest of the it's way? It's just six weeks ahead. That's all it is, isn't yeah. it? It's just a, it just takes the lag out. I'll ask one question. Does the AFL like the fact that we are talking more football? So there's more football talk in the landscape because of trade. And so we do get out in the marketplace early talking about this. Do they like that? I think the answer to that is yes. Do they? I do. I, yeah, I, I do. do. Yeah, I do. Whether they should or they shouldn't, I we, think they like the... the I suppose generation. that's what was a loaded question because that's the yeah. way I feel. I think we make really sensible, rational people look foolish. People are running football clubs. The Gold Coast, for instance. Well, that's been a mess for them for the last month. I mean, we've made them really smart, intelligent guys um, because of the system or the lack of a system look quite foolish. Well, Nathan Buckley would like his time again, wouldn't yeah. he? Yeah, I mean, Nathan. And Nathan's a game's sensi- best ambassador. Well, I was going to say, he's, and he's the most sensible, you know, absolute, uh, you know, thinks about everything that, yeah, he, yeah. that he says. And his crime was to tell the truth. Correct. Yeah, and that's <laughs> what happens. It, it, what an error. What, what a fool. <laughs> and then the Gold Coast sort of say, well, we'd rather him not have. Yeah, so I, I just think if you just had a black and white answer for it, there's no grey area there. You go ahead. You want to talk to someone? Do it. But you're losing your first round pick if we catch you. Mm, they won't right. do it, Jared. This is the crunch for the TAC. Safety barriers save lives. Can we just just finish on St Kilda with Hanabry and Lysette? You talked about how they're going to get him. Are they the right players for St Kilda? I don't think so, and I'll I'll let King have his say in a second. I would think last year um, St Kilda went to the national draft with picks seven and eight, Hunter Clark, Nick Caulfield. So that was the start of, okay, we've got to get some really high-end talent into our football club, and we'll take these you know, younger guys' time, as we well know. I think it's better suited personally for the St Kilda Football Club to be able to do something similar again. So we're talking about the fact that they've uh, you know, they've got pick four as it sort of stands at the moment. It's more likely to be pick five with the Gold Coast and, and Tom Lynch. Um, so if they could bunk up, as we were suggesting before, and be able to get something like a, a five and ten in what's meant to be considered a super draft to go along with seven and eight last year, I think that that's more driving them in the direction. I don't understand Lysette where they've already... Um, invested so heavily in the past with Ruckman. And but then, they're not satisfied with their Ruckman. They can't get a Ruckman that gets around the ground, I think, is their view. Well, yeah, hey, whose fault's that? I mean, that's their selection. I mean, it and is. Yeah, but that's been, the reality of their and list. They've invested highly in that. And then to be going for a uh, Dan Hanabry, 
Well, I would rather go with uh, Lewis Pearce, who played last night, than going investing in another Ruckman to try to get them over the line again. I would rather go younger rather than going more senior bodies. And Dan Hanabry, I just don't understand for them. You know, to sign Dan Hanabry, who's been banged up for two years on a five-year contract, when, to me, they look like they should be going down. And they've already set the pathway of going to get a Hunter Clark and Caulfield. It just seems like mixed messages if they flip that back around and start going for a 27-year-old. It's a big investment, isn't it? Massive. In, in Hanabry. Five five years, and it'll be reasonable money. I mean, the money's not necessarily the problem because you've got you have to, to pay, pay somebody. You have to pay it, and and you can't reward the guys that they've got there at the moment that are underperforming. But a twenty three year old's better than a twenty seven. Oh, I get that, but who? What's the twenty three year olds available to? Well, I wouldn't be going after a twenty seven year old. No, I, I agree with that, but I think you've got to say, okay, well, where do they spend? No, it? well, That's so the, well, so therefore, I sort of said what I would be doing is I'd be going back to the draft, yeah, like, and, and investing that way and front load your, your contracts. But what that, about Lysette? I, I didn't mention Lysette. What do you think? Well, I, I, I've just got a, a, a belief that the ruck position, if you haven't got one, if you haven't developed one from a rookie list or a late selection, then to me it's almost the last position you fill. You look at the um, the Collingwood model of 2010, they went and got Ball and Jolly at the end. So invest your first-round selection at the end. Well, when, everything else, when everything else is in order, another one, when everything else is in order, then you, then you invest and maybe you pay overs. But get your midfield right. Have the midfielders spilling to the flanks, whether they be forward or back, doesn't really matter. Get your structures right. Get everything in order and then... It's not, it's not a problem having one or two spots on your roster that you need to fill. It was a Brad Otten's model as well, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, so I'll, I wouldn't be going after a Ruckman just yet. I think I, I think Lice would be mad to leave West Coast, to be perfectly honest. I don't think he will. Yes, as if he's got the chance to be the man at St Kilda. Well, he's going to be the man at West Coast yeah. next year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Nick Nat won't get back he, he won't any leave. meaningful I'll part of next year. He's staggered if Lysette leaves. Yeah. It what might about... depend on, on Gaff. It might, uh, oh, I think they can afford them all. I don't, Do I don't you? Think it's, really? I don't think it's as tight as, as what others um, say. Okay. All right. Well, we'll, we'll see on that, won't we? Does, does, does Andrew Gaff owe the Eagles, do you think, now? No, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I mean, look, he's been a, an excellent player there for a long period of time. Personally, I would think that he would have his mind already made up which way he was leaning towards, whether he was going, staying, or, or how that was to play out by now. I would think that he'd probably have that in mind. I personally don't think the actions of the last week would change his mind one way or another. Probably reinforce it, Terry. If, he, if he's looking to stay, if he's looking for, if he's looking for just a, another bit of information to tick off staying, the support that he'll get from West Coast will be enormous over this this period. They've already, you know, got a great relationship. Clearly, I heard you talk during the week about whether he can stay in that environment, in, you know, being a two-team town over there. The, the 50% of the supporter base will hate you and yeah. <laughs> track you down, or you're a marked marked man in a lot of ways. I don't know whether that's dissolved when he comes to Melbourne. I don't know if there's any any real difference. But what would you? Why would you want to leave West Coast? I, I just don't. I I can't get my head around that. that they're, they're so close. They're so close, yeah. and they're a good football club. Got great facilities. He's going to get well remunerated. I don't think it's. I don't think it's a desperate state to, to get out of. I don't think he'd be leaving. And I do think he's come through the week. With his reputation, yeah, as well as what he possibly everybody could have, has yeah. acknowledged. Probably more than ours, Jared. Yeah, <laughs> everyone has acknowledged that he's a man of good character, who had this moment, and that is part of him, but is not all of him. 
And while there might be a bit of uh, there might be a bit of theatre around it when he plays, I don't think there'll be vitriol. I might be wrong about that, but I think most people have come through going the system worked, the system dealt with the incident, and it protected the character. My, my only thought on that, and I made the comments earlier in the week, and that I thought that if he hadn't made up his mind, that perhaps from a family point of view, they might sort of say, son, it's time to uh, come, come back home. I've known of a couple of separate incidents, and I don't want to go into them uh, on air, but I've known of a couple of separate incidents where a player has had an action on field and people have wanted to take them up on that action off the field, and it can become a very dangerous thing where people go, oh, he thinks he's pretty tough, well, we'll see how tough he, he really is. That's just a little bit of a concern, knowing the young man and knowing that that would be the opposite thing to, you know, that confrontation side of it would be the opposite thing to what he would want. That would be my only concern as a parent. Okay. Enough to bring him home, though, Terry? Enough to have the discussion with him. If he hasn't made, if he's made up his mind, and I, yep. I probably think he's made up his mind, and in all honesty, I think he'll stay as well. Yep. Uh, but as a parent, if he hadn't made up his mind, I would have the discussion with him. It's going to be fascinating, Jared, to see what impact the gaff loss has on the West Coast Eagles, the way they play. Yep. You look at the way they play, they, they want to play a control game, an uncontested marking game, and more often than not, those gun runners they take the first uncontested mark that stops play, that slows the game down. The, the, the critical nature of getting that first mark to how they play, it's just, it's just, it's hard to, it's hard to describe, but Gaff, more often than not, is either the first or the second mark in the chain. Without that player there, I mean, can Ashid step up and do that? I don't know if he can. I don't know if, if Ashui can step up and do that. I'm not sure if they've got that outside runner to replace a gaff. Now, not necessarily the talent of gaff, but just the ability to get that first mark. If they stay in fast motion, they're half the team yeah. that they are when they're playing. But, and the game. scenario for them is that we, f- we feel like they're second, is if you run these things all the way through, <laughs> if they did lose <laughs> their three games, so Port Adelaide in Adelaide, Melbourne in Perth and Brisbane in Brisbane, yep. if by some chance they lost all three, they would finish seventh. <laughs> That, that's how crazy the snakes and ladder nature of all of this is. They're all losable too. Have you got the eight there, Jared, if that happens? Can you <laughs> read it out for me? Look, there's so many teams that have got such opportunity. In a, everyone tells you, I mean, even Chris Scott saying last week that Richmond need a lot to go right. Richmond, we're, we're not going to get a read on Richmond over the next three weeks with the, the quality of opposition that they're playing. We're going to have no idea coming into a final series how they're actually going. And the teams that hit now will finish in the top four could be a Melbourne, could be a Port, could could be. Well, this is your last. Pick your look, team. This pick. is your last look at Geelong too, isn't it? Yeah. Really, because I mean they've got two games that we're not going to find out anything about after that either. Mystery. So who everywhere. is the second best team in the comp? I think I think right now Melbourne, but I, I'm I'm finding it very hard. If you come back with a debate, I'm finding it very hard to stick up for. Yeah. I think West Coast, but I mean it's just been a mortal, absolute mortal blow. And then you throw Kennedy into the mix and. How does he come back? Is he absolutely right when he comes back? That's the weird part of the year is I'm, I'm sort of leaning your waking and then you delve a bit and go, there are nine teams who make up the, the contenders and Melbourne are zero six against them. Collingwood sort of the other team have been in it. They're one and seven. The only win they've had is against Melbourne. <laughs> Doesn't matter. <laughs> You're doing a poorer job than I did. Um, but, but they have been in all those games. Yeah, and, yeah. And you're talking about Best versus the best. They're going to be arm wrestles. Today's winner has to be still put in the equation, surely. 
of Hawthorne Geelong? Yes. Today's winner. Oh, well, I I don't. Right. But but I mean, how do you know? Like, anyone can beat anyone any given day, but the, you got to win at the MCG. That's that's the key. That's why these two teams today we still hold faith in, I suppose, well, through, because they yeah. can win yeah. here. Port Adelaide can win here, I think. West Coast beat Collingwood here in a great game earlier in the year. Richmond don't lose here. Um, Melbourne play here quite a lot. Uh, this is going to be this just it's just such a fascinating season. So we're well, going to deep dive on Hawthorne and Geelong shortly. So can yeah. you, so uh, you can give us the full lead up there. Jared Ruffett is out on yeah. today's Hawthorne team as a late wow. change. Mark Pitnett comes in and Geelong is unchanged. What a change of That's tip, the big you? surprise. Geelong unchanged. <laughs> uh, that that's the big out, isn't it? That's it is a huge out. out. Um, does he change a lot? You know what, Terry? I don't think it does. I, I don't think he's in great form, Jared. So it doesn't really change a great deal. Leadership, I, yes, but I think Jared's fairly happy. Did you, hang really on, hang on, happy did you answer the out? question, Terry? Who's the trusted number two? Oh, I, no, the trusted number two. Yeah. I, I don't think there is a trusted okay. number two. I, I said the West Coast Eagles. If you had to West Coast Eagles, but I, they're mortally wounded. So you're so, twos. So, so is it still I, I the West Coast, Coast Eagles? Could, I think not? West Coast can be there. Just a flesh wound. Yeah, okay. Well, this is the crunch for the TAC. Safety barriers save lives. Getting us towards zero. Where did we end up from the week on the discussion with the red card? Guild still doesn't like it, but now they're going to investigate it. Um, are we are we going to see one, do you think, or not? I don't think so. Uh, and I'm hoping uh, we don't for all the, uh, you know, the factors, uh, Jared, that... You know, the uncertainties around a bump versus a hit and where that all sits, I would be hoping that we don't go down that pathway. felt to me like Gil's answer was, yes, we look at everything at the end of every year, but he's absolutely opposed to it, and I don't think there's a great appetite from the AFL for it. I, can't, I haven't heard enough noise, Hutto, to suggest to me that the whole football world is crying out for it to happen, and I think with the being a fairly significant change, I would have thought that that would have to be the case. If we had another gaff-like incident in the finals, would that be enough? <laughs> I think it would, uh, and particularly a finals, and particularly if it impacted a final, I think that that would have more of the footy industry uh, screaming out. I, I, I don't hear a loud scream for it at the moment, which suggests to me that it won't happen, but if there was another major incident, well, maybe. One for you, Is Hutto. It- Got yep. uh, the draft. Is there enough in the draft to sustain a two-day spectacle? <laughs> and if not, this? and the answer is surely no, then how could we get it to a point where it was? Well, I mean, the live trading, thats that does make it more interesting. Um, what are we trying to achieve here? Are we trying to achieve a TV show or are we trying to achieve the best method for the for the game? It feels like we're trying to achieve an American-style TV show, except we don't know no, the protagonists. Point, yeah. yeah, I, I find that, it curious. I, I, I'm all for making the, the coverage, and I've been involved a couple of times in trying to make the draft coverage as good as it can be and as interesting as it can be, but that can't be the reason why we make changes to the draft. Surely it's about doing the right, having the right system and then doing the best coverage and most interesting coverage of it. I can't see how it's got enough in it to last over two days for the very yeah, point you said. Uh, Hutto, I've been always uh, in Kingy's corner on this one that uh, he sort of there's mentioned that we need to almost have some 
standout cameo games that are more on display so that we get a greater understanding of who all these players are. Yes, you can see you know, a little bit, uh, little bits and pieces at the moment, but not enough. And yeah, you know, we're even getting to the stage where you know that look this year they're moving the uh, the under 18 grand final. So and how sort of all that plays out. So I just for me uh, the mechanisms around being able to trade and and so having more time. Um, that may work for the clubs, but I don't see how it's going to be something that's going to interest enough of the supporter base. So, Hutto, could you have, if the grand final moved to twilight, or when that happens, however many years it takes the AFL to do that, what if you put them the 2.30 game or the 1 p.m. game as the, the 40, the the best 40 the best. kids? Yeah. If you want to understand the draft, this is the game on grand final day on the MCG, and then the spin-off of that is this... Two nights spectacular where everyone takes the players <laughs> that you just saw. Oh, it would help. But I think in America, they see them in the college for years. Yeah, they know exactly. all these players. Exactly. They even know them before they're in college, they're high school in some of the cases. So I think that would help and we can do more to promote. But then do we really want to put that extra pressure on the kids anyway? Do we want that level of scrutiny from when they're 16? I mean, I don't well, know that we do actually. Well, we've had it that. before on grand final day. I mean, Cockatoo was picked. Uh... Oh, I think, no, I've got no problem. I think that would be great. The grand final day suggestion is a good one, but I'm talking about, you know, going further than that. So we know all the kids from when they're 15. I think that just adds extra pressure that I'm not sure anyone needs at that age. Roughhead has ankle soreness, by the way. He'll hopefully return next week against St Kilda. This is crunch time for Honda. We're going to spend a lot more time on the Hawks and the Cats next. Find your kind of value at Honda, of course, by seeing honda.com.au. And the TAC, safety barriers save lives. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. This is crunch time for Honda. Find your kind of value at Honda. See honda.com.au and the TAC, Safety Barriers Save Lives, getting us towards zero. Jared Waitley and Anthony Hudson, Terry Wallace and David King. Most of us at the MCG on what's supposed to be a particularly wintry day, but a hot contest in prospects. The Snakes and Ladders games of the weekend, maybe none more so than Hawthorne and Geelong. The Cats are ninth on the outside looking in, and the only way up is through their old enemy in the Hawks. So there's a tasty offering here. David, you wrote yesterday, you did the deep dive on Alastair Clarkson, who I don't think there's any doubt is the best coach in the competition, and year on year he goes about proving it. How has he shown it to you in what he's done this season? Interested in your thoughts, Terry. I had a look through the week because it fascinates me, Clark, and you're always trying to see where he's taking the game. And he brought the cluster in, which every team uh, mimicked in one, way, one shape or another. And I just wondered, the boys at Champion Data were saying that moving the ball against Hawthorne from your defensive 50 to inside 50, okay, it's a, it's a pretty simple measure. He is committing now to the opposition the best defensive model that's ever been tracked. So he allows an inside 50, every rebound 50, one in every seven. One in every seven. Now, that, that's an unbelievable number. Now, I thought, okay, how, how's he doing this? So I went and have a look at the behind-the-goal vision, which is the bane of uh, the AFL world at the moment, Jared. I understand that. But there's no grid. There's no real. There's no real cluster. It's it's a one-on-one defence, and it's it's a trust in the back six to get the job done. He doesn't waste numbers where the ball isn't. 
their numbers are always where the action is. And, and I just was having a look to think, and, and just to try and isolate what, what he's doing so well. And in the end, Terry, and I'll get your thoughts on this, you, you come back to the way they move the ball down the ground. And we often talk about their uncontested marking game. But they use the ball in a, in a manner that it's a speed they can handle. And, and every player, regardless whether he's your best kick in the team or, or poorest kick in the team, they take an option that, that's safe for them. Now, they take five metres on some kicks, 30 on, on some others, and once they get centre forward, they get it in, and that's when they go to work. They've got the pressure game in the forward half. But what that slow ball movement pattern does, it allows complete control and composure behind the football. So guys like Frawley, even Brand, those sort of, those sort of names, they, they're not... They're not the, in, in the conversation with the best defenders in the competition right now, but they've got so much time to set up, Terry, that all six of their defenders adopt the position that they want to they wanna, um, actually start with when the opposition win the ball back. Well, it just makes it f- uh, fascinating what happens today because, you know, as we've mentioned, you've got probably the best personnel-driven side just about going around in, in Geelong versus the structure of what Hawthorne do so very, very well. And, and as you sort of say, look, uh, time and forward half, number three, uh, don't allow inside 50s, number one, in, in that area, in the competition. I go back to the last Saturday's game against uh, the Bombers. And when it was pure out of the middle, when it was ballistic, when it was early in quarters, it was Essendon were making the, uh, making the play just through the fact that the structures weren't set up at that time. So... Goal early, straight back to the middle, get clean ball use out, get another goal on the board. That was the way it was played. Every time the game started getting into a structured situation, mm. Hawthorne took control of the game because they were, one, better structured. They were, two, uh, I think, calmer with the ball and more organised once the ball was in play. And Essendon just couldn't work a way out of it. So yeah, they were winning the game. They were up and, up and about, and then all of a sudden... They're just locked into into what Hawthorne do so very very well. So that's to me, that's the fascination today. You know, is it the personnel of you know Dangerfield and Selwood and these guys busting out of the middle of the ground? Does that win out, or does Clarko's structure win out again? I, I, I mean, I personally think that's that's the game in a nutshell, one or the other. Well, they are winning more contested football now that Mitchell and O'Meara yep. have really got rolling in the middle of the ground. There's no doubt about that, but. Now this this is a list that was ranked ninth at the start of the year. Three elite players: uh, McAvoy, Bruce, and Rioli. Now Rioli's gone, so this list right now would be would be rated somewhere between eleven, twelve, thirteen, around that around that area. They're fifth on the table, Jared. I, I think that everything that Alistair Clarkson does complements the next phase. So the way they move the ball complements you know, their ability to then defend if they if they turn it over. If they turn it over down back, they le- they leak a goal. Because what they do is they separate and go to the extremities of the oval to try and make the ground big, is what they call it. Make the ground big so the opposition have to defend the full MCG width. And if they don't, then you get those uncontested marks. And you test a couple to fail. The defensive integrity of Geelong will be tested today. And if an Ablett doesn't want to man his, um, guard his man, they'll, they'll utilise him. And then eventually that overlap will get to an Isaac Smith or someone of that effect, and then their game starts. So they challenge you in everything that they do, but it all complements. I mean, they've got this pressure forward line that they've had for had for probably four or five years. Um, 
their ability to get in and lock it in, get those repeat inside 50s you talked about, Terry. But it's all about defense, the defensive model. It's all about protecting an undermanned back six. So what does it tell us about the, the intellect and the innovation of Alistair Clarkson? Is Probably since he built his team and they won 08 and what they did from there, is you would say this is the most average team that he's had, which is no not... No doubt. I think there's no doubt about that. Yeah. And... But he's found some, he's found a way for them to be successful through how he set up the plan. Yeah, he has. And he learns from other sports. And this is, this is, um, this doesn't happen by chance. I think he's the most travelled senior coach in the comp right now. Every year he goes, he goes, uh, to either Europe or America to learn something new. He's always looking for the next thing or something, something old that can be reinvented. Um, time in possession. In some codes, time in possession is a, re- is a real critical, uh, critical stat or a critical number. They've lost time in possession seven times this year, Hawthorne, and they've lost six of those games. Yep. The only game they won was Geelong. Yep. So there's a, there's a real fascination about today, and Terry's right. Geelong can play. A, a time in possession game if they want. They don't have to go at breakneck speed. They often play wide to the boundary. Well, last week was an anomaly. They set up that one game to beat Richmond and it nearly worked. Do they stick with that now? Do they say, okay, well, if that's going to beat Richmond, um, then we need to do this for five or six weeks. We need to ha- actually have a good look at how this, this should, uh, should perform. You know, fix the chinks. Um, it's very aggressive, so that it would need another two or three opportunities, I think, Terry, to, to be actually refined for, for a grand final type or a preliminary final type uh, occasion. Or do they just go back to what they know? So that, that to me, is a fascination today, which way Chris Scott goes, because we know he knows what Clarkson's going to throw at him. And, and I think the ultimate trump card for Alistair Clarkson is Jack Gunston. You know how Hawthorne are going by where Gunston is playing. <laughs> if he's in the forward line, yep. Clarkson thinks they're on top. If he switches him to half-back or as a loose man, which he does very rarely, but he does do, he's rattled. He's not rattled. Rattled's the wrong word. He's concerned. So Gunston, Gunston's your barometer. Wherever he is, is is how the coach is seeing the game. And it's fascinating that they've been able to do this. I mean, if, if we sat here six or eight weeks ago and you said Hawthorne without Ben McAvoy, how would we be thinking about it? If we said Hawthorne without James Sicily, how would we think about it? Let alone Cyril Rioli, as Birch. you mentioned, he's got virtual. I mean, so, they've been, and they've been able to still pick up players to do roles for them. I mean, young Morrison's come in and done a terrific job as that you know, defensive forward, uh, you know, to get you know, James Warpole now into the side, you know, yeah. and to be able to almost win them the game with the, you know, his action against Michael Hurley last week. You know, they, they've done tremendously well. He seems to have this knack, as you sort of mentioned, of being able to bring his best players into the game, his stars into the game. So you know, by structuring it up to keep the ball in their forward half to give Gunston the most opportunity, to give Bruce the most opportunity. But then he, he doesn't seem to allow... Their weaknesses, yeah. if they have any, he doesn't. He doesn't allow their weaknesses to uh, to stand out at all by yeah, team actions. I mentioned in the article in the Herald Sun yesterday, Jared, that he doesn't. It's sort of funny when you watch Hawthorne do pre-seasons, and they've had they've had the Hodge, Lewis, Mitchell types running around educating these young guys. They're not there anymore. Okay, you've still got Birchall and Burgoyne and, and and the like. So there's a lot of intelligence there, but they they teach the younger players the overall game. This is why we're doing this. This is why we're moving the ball slowly. So if you, if you choose to play fast, if you choose to play on and go, 
if you turn the ball over, we're gone. So, so a young halfback flanker comes to comes to the the Hawks. So let's use Brand as an example, key position back. If he if he's at St Kilda, right? He's told, okay, when you get the ball, you make the decision, you go. If you think you can hit that target, you go and hit it. Now, that doesn't really educate speed, okay? So there's no real thought process about, oh, I can play on and I can go and I can hit that target, but if I miss it, he doesn't think about what that does to the greater cause if he misses that target, okay? He knows, the individual player knows he's made a mistake. Clarkson would say, why would you go quick then? We We don't want to be going quick here. We're happy to take five metres. We're happy to take 10, 20. Let's just maintain possession, work the ball, build the ball, they call it. Build your offence. So it's almost like you're pulling back the, the slingshot. As they're moving down the ground, they're pulling it back. They get the halfway bang, let it go. Get it in, get it in quick. And you are right. Isaac Smith does play a major role. In, yeah. Once the slingshot is released, it's usually, it's him, it? it's usually Smith getting so, on it. So he teaches them how to fish. He doesn't give them fish, is, is, the, is the logic. And, and I think that that's, that's why these guys, these young guys, and they're still learning. They're still capable of making mistakes. They'll all make mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes. But they know what they're supposed to do. And often you see Alistair going crazy in the box. And, and, and nothing's really gone wrong on the ground. But it's it's all about the speeds. Why is he going fast? We've got we've got to allow the guys behind to set up, or we've got to get so and so forward. It, it's just it's it, it's a big game of chess, to Alistair, and he and he's it's, it's like he's playing with two queens. Sometimes he's so strong. Have you had any thought of why Brisbane, with Chris Fagan there, obviously with Luke Hodge there, have been able to pick them apart? Not once. But both times, and one of those times being down at Tassie where no one sort of beats them. Yeah. You got any thoughts or that, reasons That was their why? first game without Ben McAvoy. Yeah. And they were all at sea, and they sort of have adapted as those weeks have gone on. So but that, so that's just one little, yeah. no, one major factor in one of the two games. But it is, it's amazing that it just happens to be with an absolute yeah. lieutenant and the leader of the Hawthorne Football Club, that that's the that side that's been able to pick them apart. That, that Tasmanian game, the pressure in that game, Brisbane's pressure that day was enormous. Their tackle pressure, was, they, were, they were ferocious. It was, it was a great watch. Um, and they challenged Hawthorne, and, and eventually they buckled. They're still, they're still relatively young teams. I know there's some, some yeah. sprinkling of experience in both, both of those outfits you talked about, Terry, but... Brisbane play a, a frantic game, don't they? I mean, if they if they get you, they get you big on the scoreboard. That's that's the danger with tonight. So the the Richmond game was early in the season. Hawthorne Richmond at the MCG. It was oil and water. Hawthorne wanted to play slow. Richmond wanted to play fast. It was one of the weirdest games that I've seen. I, I called it. It was just a strange game. They didn't marry up at all. It was, um, you know, it was the sort of the wrong match of two tennis players who just can't make a good game. It was 13 points, and you sort of left just going, oh, I'm, I honestly don't know what to make of that. But if we talk about the teams who would play Richmond differently, yeah. and some of that, we've got a West Coast example, we've got a Geelong example. There is a Hawthorne example. It's really early on, yeah. and they played Richmond like nobody else has played them in that particular way. So what's Hawthorne's overall role in the season, that's sort of one of the great yeah. mysteries, I think. It's a that's a great question because they can beat anyone, and and everyone will say, "Oh, but they're Hawthorne." They start looking at the individual names. Don't worry about the individual names. It's the it's the way, it's the method, um, it's the science of what Hawthorne do that gets you. And they still coughed up a hundred points. Richmond still kicked a hundred points that night. And I think if you're going to if you're going to beat Richmond, you got to choose you got to choose your method. Are we going all out attack and trying to score hundred and ten points? which is a little bit like Geelong last week. Go the corridor. If we get through, we get them. 
uh, or do we go all out defence and control, which is the West Coast model where they they held them to I think uh, seventy odd points. Let's just say a, a low a lowish number um, through just maintaining possession. Hawthorne can do a bit of both. This is what that's why they intrigue me. Uh, I, I don't really have the answer to, uh, to, to that question, Terry, but Hawthorne controlling the game. That uncontested mark game is a threat to any team. I just don't think the sides that are not really tight structurally can challenge Richmond. I just don't think so. Port Adelaide, how do they uh, play against Melbourne six weeks ago and have 30 less inside 50s? Uh, can't trust them. Uh, Sydney, I, I just, uh, yeah, they play too much back half footy, allow too many uh, leaking inside 50, can't trust them. So it is a side like Hawthorne. It has to be a side that's structurally really, really tight that's going to be able to be or, the challengers to or, the Tigers. Or just a dominant Ruckman. Well, I, I still think that Nankervis has had a fantastic um, campaign with the Tigers and he's, he's injured at the moment. He's got a concern of his own. But You I, think of Max Gorn or a Brody Grundy? Or, just yeah, have, yeah. A, have a day out yeah. and just give that first supply and territory to, to the opposition, whether it's Collingwood or... Melbourne, even a rider. I don't know specifically which Ruckman, but I think a dominant Ruckman can set the game up. Such a great conversation. Um, so what happens this afternoon? What are you looking for? Well, I think you'll try and see Geelong. I think they'll go with that breakaway speed you're talking about. Try and excite, try and burst, try and keep the game at speed, at their speed, high octane. I don't think they'll play a safe game today. I think they got such reward last week and such... Um, an endorsement that this plan can work for them. Uh, probably a better lineup today too. I mean, yeah. the, the Ruckman back, uh, Stewart back. It, 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 there's, there's just it's a better looking team. Yeah, I don't normally I don't normally like five changes. It's a lot of but, changes, but the ins are better than the outs. So in this occasion, I, I'm sort of sitting there going, well, I don't like five changes, but I still think that they have to pull a trigger on a few of them. They, they've used the most players this year, John. Yeah. 40 players. Oh, it's, seven it's, or eight debutants. I think they've yeah. had seven and they've got sort of one on the brink who they still might give a look in the last couple of weeks. Oh, right, okay. Well, I mean, this is a game they just have to win, Jerry. It, it may be the last couple of weeks only if they don't, don't win today. Yes, yes. So they go back home for their last two, but if they go home without these four points, it's uphill. And, and the other reality is if they win today, well, so there's a game and 3% between them. Uh, 3%, will they pick up the 3% today if they win? Potentially, but even if they don't, the gap would be close. So close when you have a look at their last two games versus Hawthorne's last two games. I think Geelong leapfrog Hawthorne in the run home. So if they win today, I think Geelong will finish on top of wherever Hawthorne finish if they get the result. If they don't get the result, I mean, two games and, and percentage. They don't challenge Hawthorne again. Diving deep into the thoughts of Terry Wallace and David King. That's Hawthorne and Geelong coming up this afternoon at the MCG. The other set of games which will shape the eight, the race to the finals. Coming up next on Crunch Time for the TAC. Safety barriers save lives, getting us towards zero. Besides the screen you spent most of your time staring at this week, chances are you are also captivated by a big screen video installation. From billboards to scoreboards, we inform and entertain audiences with our big screen solutions. Visit bigscreenvideo.com.au to see how BSV can bring your space to life. We're deep into the crunch for the TAC. Safety barriers save lives, getting us towards zero. Nothing matters more than the games themselves with three to play. Port Adelaide, West Coast, the Giants, Adelaide, Melbourne, Sydney. But there is an outlier here, and that's Collingwood, the Brisbane Lions. The Magpies 
are still operating without most of their defence. They hit a Lions side who have improved rapidly, and it's at Etihad. Oh, just feels like a danger game. Terry Wallace and David King. Plough, how are you viewing that one? Well, you'd have to say it's a danger game because the last time they played, Brisbane absolutely took it up to Collingwood and it took some special efforts by Jordan Degoe to get them over the line in that particular game. We flip that around and we know it's down in Melbourne. Uh, and so, you know, what, what does that mean? But then the opposite effect to that is the back line and how does that structure up and how does it look again? Have they got the ability, Kingy, to be able to protect that back line to a degree? I mean, the reality for Collingwood, they won three quarters last week against uh, Sydney, but it just took one superhuman effort by uh, by Buddy in that third quarter, and that was enough to actually win the game. I'm trusting of them. I, I think what they're doing um, is strong enough to be able to get a result. I think that they can protect their back line to a degree. I don't think that they come up against potentially uh, the most devastating forward structure. More the devastation for Brisbane is their run through the middle of the ground and the small blokes up that end. Well, I think Collingwood can manage them more than what they can manage you know, the big uh, power forwards at this stage. So I'm still trusting that they can get a result tonight. They've conceded 93, 120 and 107 points the last three. And that's too big. Those scores, Brisbane, Brisbane can yeah. coughing up those sorts of scores against a, a high-quality team like Collingwood on their home, or not their home deck, but uh, you know, in a state I think that um, I, I think the Pies will be winning. Melbourne have won a place in the top four and gone zero six against the top nine. They've beaten everything below nine. <laughs> it's remarkable. And nothing isn't it? above. It's incredible. So they play the Swans at the MCG. Nothing short of a win here is acceptable. Nothing short of a well, that's for everyone though, Jim. <laughs> I mean, that that's just the, what it is in the last three weeks. Look, you may you may make that that case that they they haven't beaten the top eight. I mean, they should have beaten Port Adelaide. You, you touched on that moment. Well, they're loaded with what about Geelong? Have, but they haven't. <laughs> should have beat Geelong twice. twice. Really, uh, look, I, I think that um, yeah. Whilst they haven't won those games, they haven't been blown away, Jared. I mean, if you. If they could find a goal in any of those games, they're probably four and zero against the top top uh, eight teams. I think they're flying. I really do. No one's got the offensive power that Melbourne have got at the moment. They've got weapons you can't stop. We t- we talk a lot about Max Gorn, but Clayton Oliver now is is gone inside the forward fifty. Took six marks inside the forward fifty last week. Four shots at goal. I, th- I think he's a, he's Dustin Martin Mark two, and he, he's coming with a rush. Uh, Petrarca, they've found that spot for him again, Terry. He's a centre half forward. This guy, and they've actually played him there the last couple of weeks. I'm excited about Melbourne, and I think they're the one that's really coming from uh, out of the pack. And Do you like Oliver forward as well? Yeah, I love him forward. I love him a deep forward, deep full forward, and he's 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 cagey. He's cagey, and if there's one guy that controls the emotion of the team, it's him. Is it put up or shut up time for Port Adelaide? They haven't yeah, beaten the West Coast at the Adelaide Oval. Yeah, well, geez, I was over there last year in that uh, drawn game where Luke Shuey kicks the, the final goal. Amazing watching the, all the Port Adelaide supporters trudge out. Yeah, I, look, I don't think they will make it if they get beaten uh, in this game. But in saying that, I think that this is the grand final. I think that you know, with what's out of the uh, the West Coast side, they've just got to find a way to uh, to get a result. And what about... What sort of threat do the Crows offer to the Giants in Canberra tonight? No, don't, don't sell the Crows short. They're playing some pretty tough football at the moment. Uh, they, were, 
They were dominant last week. I know we're all talking about did it, did, did it not hit the post, but they were dominant in that game, and, and it's, the margin wasn't reflective of the, of the control that they had. Uh, I think they're a serious challenger to GWS, who have got some some key injuries uh, as well at the wrong time of the year. Oh, they've had them all year, so let's not worry about what time of the year, but look out for the Crows. David King, Terry Wallace with their thoughts heading towards the rest of Round 21. Enjoy your footy. Cheers, Joe. Cheers. So we'll see what happens at the MCG. First off with Hawthorne and Geelong in these key set of games to line it all up. This has been Crunch Time for Honda. Find your kind of value at Honda. See honda.com.au and the TAC Safety Barrier save lives, getting us towards zero. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.